problem is I just I can't in good faith do it. This is the problem. The only <laughs> other person I think I would have said is, and this will sound mad, is actually. And the reason why I might have. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Side Select Awards Ceremony. It's the end of the LEC Spring Split. One of three splits, actually, this time around. So we're having to drop a few of our categories because there's just too many things going on. Like, it doesn't make sense to have a rookie of the split every single split when there's only when you've got a million splits to, to choose from. But we've still got a lot of content instead. That's the important thing. We've got a lot of awards to give out and all that lovely business. But first, firstly, before we get into the... Uh, into the esports side of the show, I have to ask you a very important question. I actually think this is quite a good question because I couldn't come up with an answer for it. And you know it's going to be good when that's the case. Okay. So you've just come off of, uh, I don't know, your esports broadcast or your skiing in the Swiss Alps or whatever it is that you're doing. And you're, you're absolutely positively parched. Okay. Exceptionally so. You go to quench your thirst, to rehydrate, because obviously that's very important. And all that you see in front of you is an assortment of various beverages sitting on the table. You can have whichever one you want. They're all the same, apart from their flavor. But you don't know what the flavor is, <laughs> specifically, <laughs> yeah, the only thing... That these, that these drinks are labeled as to indicate their flavor is a color. So one of the drinks is red flavor. Okay. The other one's okay. yellow flavor. The okay. other one's yeah. purple, blue, yeah. black, whatever. It's not telling you what the flavor actually is. It's just the color. What color do you choose and why? Wait, so I'll give... One, one important point of context. Can yes. it, Are these like... Sem at least semi-conventional actual drink flavors, or can it be like, oh, I'm picking purple because that could only be Ribena? It's like, ha ha ha! It's actually no, no, fucking no, whatever, it's purple it's... paint flavor, like the <laughs> purple paint. Yeah, no, it's it's it, it, the question essentially is, you know how how different flavors are attributed to different colors in general. Which one is, right. your, is okay. which color has the most of your favorite flavors? So, okay. for example, yellow. Right, we'll do yellow as an example. Yellow can be like a banana milkshake, but it could also be like a lemon, like a lemony kind of flavor. It could also be like tropical flavors you get as a as a yellow as well. Now you might not, you might like tropical and lemon, but you absolutely detest banana, right. like me. But yellow might still be the one you go for because, like you know, two out of three, it's not too bad. That kind of thing. Okay. So that's the question I'm asking. As a whole, which color are you gravitating towards yourself? Gravitating. Yeah, as 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 your as your drink of choice in this scenario. Do you need a few moments? To I'll think answer while Rich answers here because okay. here's the thing. I'm just going to use like a very simplistic formula for how I do this, which is it's actually kind of what you explained there, Foxtrot, which is obviously in this scenario, I'm sort of taking the aggregate of all the drinks that are yeah. that color. So, for example, even though a lot of you will immediately say, "I'll take the red one," in theory, there's a billion drinks yeah. that are red, though, aren't there? There could be so many bad ones. So, actually, I think the the cheat is this, and it's also based on my youth because I did grow up as working class trash that had no money and all the rest of it. I would actually take 
pick blue because blue is you typically right. don't get anything natural at blue. That's just chemicals at that point in time. So that's going to be like a blue raspberry soda or some shit like that. You know, it's going to be some cheap ass shit. It's the sort of shit I grew up on. So I would probably take that. I think that's a safe one. I don't feel like there's any blue drink that's real. obviously like Rich says it can't be fucking antifreeze that just kills me instantly. Like assuming <laughs> it's a real drink, I feel fairly safe with blue. There you go. <laughs> love that <laughs> yeah no no antifreeze so that's that's it's a fair argument this is this is why i wasn't sure because like do you go for the one which has like like i thought red would be popular because you've got so many different flavors and a lot of them are quite conventional flavors but there's a lot of different ones you don't know which one it's gonna problem be. with red is like you might get like fucking cranberry juice or some shit and it's just so like, or very common drink you couldn't complain about that. tomato juice which, oh, even worse. Yeah, yeah. like so. Oh. Fuck, fuck that. A drink. Yeah, this very common drink. I mean, You're people like, like a Zag over cure famously. It's a hundred S Thompson type drink, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you go, if you go into like any supermarket and the juice, there will be tomato juice. It's not yeah. some weird, super strange niche thing. Obviously, you use it for Bloody Marys and stuff as well. So, yeah, I wouldn't go red. I would, in fact, go with what my example was and go for purple <laughs> because, as far as I can see, basically the only two drinks that are purple in existence are Ribena and Vimto, and they're both lovely. So, that's yeah, I guess for. purple is going to be like a black currant style yeah. drink, and that's just how it's going to be. be. It could be some kind of like smoothie thing as well. With, I mean, I guess, I guess it would be Same pretty shit black though, isn't things, it? But yeah, <laughs> fair enough. All right, you guys answered that a little bit easier than I thought you would, to be honest. Got to think and about I, these things tactically and not with your emotions, mate. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of kind of the thing yeah. you can't actually make when you're thirsty because then you'll go for yeah. the thing that you know you're really craving, and there's like haha banana yeah. or whatever. I, I always say yeah. that by the way. Whatever, again, nice little tip: never shop when you're hungry. Never shop when yep. you're thirsty for for food or never drinks. Never swipe when you're horny. Exactly, yep. you'll make some terrible yep. terrible decisions. Yep. So have a well, sip of the, water. At the risk of revealing sort of the formula here, what's going on behind the curtains, guys? Sometimes I don't always was actually try and think of the best answer or even my answer i just said something entertaining yeah. how dare you i don't want to i feel like i've let too much out of that no 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 <laughs> the show put the max back on here ask us some questions everything said on this show is pure is genuine and not intended to entertain in any way shape or form entertainment is purely a side effect of what happens yes. here on the side by the way really s s small side tangent i did actually watch a super seriously framed ama once where the guy went on for literally like 40 minutes asking all viewer and like patron questions or whatever and then at the end the final question was and as far as i could see he said this with no irony whatsoever but the person asked like when you answer this at ama like is it are these actually like your very strongly held beliefs are these actually what you believe or is there an element of entertainment and in a very like super dry way and this guy wasn't british or anything so i just assume he was serious because he's american he's like yeah to be honest i think most of it's you know largely for entertainment purposes and it's like <laughs> I just watched a 40 minute AMA of this guy basically just doing a fucking uh, unbelievable hook line and sinker there, Rich. Hook line and sinker. Got Let's me. move on. Let's What's move as on. as bad as when he found out Hulk Hogan wasn't a real wrestler. <laughs> well, wait, what? <laughs> what exactly? Okay. There you go. Isn't he the guy that hunts down people in Hawaii and you know people with outstanding bonds and something like that? He does look quite like that guy. It's true. Yeah. He does look like that guy. Bang and show. Anywho. Awards, yes, there's some awards to give away for the LEC. Another split is over the finals, the riveting finals between Mad Lions and BDS with uh, the reverse sweep coming through from, from Mad Lions. I honestly, I was sitting there on my sofa, and you know, when you've just like, I don't know if you, you guys have ever worn glasses where you've just got a smudge you can't get rid of, 
or where there's just something that you just can't quite focus in. It was like I was looking at the team, I was seeing like Nuke and I was seeing Crown. And I was like, how do we get to a timeline where these are the two these are two players in the in the fucking finals of the LEC? But credit to them, they got there, they deserve to be there, and uh, and they put on a good show. Our first award of the day is going to be the most surprising team in a good or a bad way. Okay. Um, I think for me, it's an easy answer as, as BDS, for sure, 100%. Um, but there might be some other answers there, maybe some entertaining ones as well. So what do you think, guys? Who's your most surprising team of the split, Rich? The, I mean, yeah, the, the problem is, for me, there, I guess, are really only two candidates, which is like BDS and MAD. But for me, as everyone knows, your boy picks mad to make the final. So how could they possibly be <laughs> my most surprising team? So, I mean, yeah, it has to be BDS. I don't think there's really uh, any other strong candidates outside of that. I mean, even if you were like dead set on, I don't know, Vitality will win the split. Like the sort of where they ended up versus what your expectations were aren't like so obscene that you think like, wow, what a shock. And also there was so much potential volatility still in that team that it's not like that surprising. It's just one of those things that could go either way. So yeah, it has to be BDS. I think if someone just, you know, the best way of putting it, I think is if someone just laid out all the names on paper before the start of the year, let's say, and they were like, they're going to be two zero up in a <laughs> LEC final, you would actually yeah. think they're on crack. Um, obviously last split, they were better than we thought they would be last split, right? And they didn't do anything spectacular. So the leap is slightly less, but at the same time, it's still super surprising. Like, I don't think anyone saw that coming. And to be honest, and I think this sums it up, even after the regular season where they finished first, I don't think anyone was picking BDS to make the final even then. Like, I don't think that was an expectation at all. So yeah, just all the way through the split, I think it has to be BDS. You agree with that, Thorin? Do you have any other maybe dark horse candidates? I will take BDS, but I'll, I'll explain the reason why by explaining why it isn't Mad Lions. Right? The problem is you could absolutely make the case it's Mad Lions, but on the basis that they won the split. Right? Remember, first of all, if the Reckless like fail flashed in them, they would just be out anyway and like eighth place is crazy. But also, even when they made the final last split, we all said, like, isn't that because you know SK and Koi underperformed and Vitality looked shit? Like essentially they weren't supposed to make finals, which is why Rich's call was actually a pretty good one. But then the idea they win the Hold split as well. Like, remember, if at the beginning of the split you say like G two Vitality, like the, there's no way you take a mad to win. But here's the reason why I, I think BDS is more surprising because at least when I look at the players Mad Lions has, it does make sense they could win a title. Like Niski could have won last split. He actually was very good in the winter split. I thought El is just a really good fucking player. Like he, he's already not only a champion, but he, quite frankly, he's always in contention for best jungler. Like they have a bunch of, the Chasey guy just had a very good finals. Like they have a bunch of players that obviously Hillersang is a legend. These players is not as shock. Like some of those names is not a shock they could win. The other ones are just good players, right? The difference is when you go over to the BDS sites, like you say, Beyond Crowdy, who has been really cracked out the whole year so far, everyone else, it's a, it's insane to even imagine that like they absolutely could have won this title. Like they could Nook could be a champion right now in LEC. The same world where Forgiven never made a final. Upset's never won a championship. Fucking Shio could be a champion. Even Adam could be a champion right now. And that's also the reason I think it's crazy. Because if you actually look realistically, you can favor a different team at some other point in this split. But the best team in this split 
with the exception of the final, was BDS. Yeah. All the, the from game one to the final, they were the best team. And then even then, I actually think in the final they played semi shit, and they almost won still. They were almost able to catch a bunch of bad lines throws, and Crowley did actually. By the way, he basically played like a champion anyway. He fucking carried a whole bunch of the fight. Mm. So I actually think it's just crazy. Like to me, and also you nailed it as well, Foxtrot. Even as they were the best team the whole time, because they have never done anything collectively as a group and they've never won a title, the whole point is we all did the thing, which is a very fair analytical lens, which goes when a team doesn't have experience and star names, as the pressure mounts, you reduce their chances. So everyone in the BO1s, yeah, they're really good, but it's BO1s in the groups, they'll get exposed. Oh, wow, they won all the group games. Well, you know what? In the playoffs, watch out, Vitality and G2 will take... Never happened. It never happened until the final. And even in the final, like I said, they could have maybe fucked around and even won. So I, I think it has to be BDS. I do think, by the way, for a lot of the other categories in this award show, it's probably one of the spiciest episodes ever. I think you can have a lot of crazy up and downs. But for this one, it is between BDS and Mad Lions, realistically. Because as you say as well, like I guess the only other angle would be if someone had G the fact that G2 came fourth. That's about it. Because I'm with you on the Vitality one. Yeah, they didn't like soar to the heights I hoped. But finishing third still just whatever it is. It's not like it's terrible. Like if you hear none, I'm finishing third. Like, I think you, you, you're sort of unrealistic with your expectations of what the league is at the moment. So I'll take BDS yeah. as well. Yeah, I feel like this one has kind of like a correct answer with kind of giving arguments as to why other teams can deserve some mention here. But really, the, the answer is BDS. They did incredibly well in that finals. Generally, one game, one game away from sweeping the finals as well. Like, that would have been absolutely insane. So let's move on to our next award then. The best roster move. For the split, who do you think was, uh, you know, the player that changed rosters, moved on to their new team, and uh, had the biggest impact? What about you? I'll, I'll go to you again here, Rich, because you're the ones who write these questions, so you probably have an idea of who your your answer is going to be. Yeah, I mean, you know, I did look, I did look at uh, like looking at the um, rosters in general a bit before that. There aren't, I mean, there aren't that many options for me. I think it only comes down to two answers for different reasons. Um, one is upset purely on the basis again even though and this is why i don't actually go with upset is because i guess you would want to see that tangible push to the next level on the basis of a roster move otherwise it's still kind of like eh but they were so obviously visibly better with upset than they were with neon that i think you could still make some <laughs> kind of argument for upset and also again this is like projecting a bit or like changing criteria slightly you wouldn't be amazed if they did something special in summer off the back of upset, right? Especially based on the evidence we've seen so far. So that could be one where even if you don't think it is now, we might be looking back in summer and be like, yeah, that was actually the best roster move. I think it kind of has to be leader, I guess, in mm. terms of like, you went from a player in Dayor who was very bad, let's be honest. Like he had, like he did improve over time and so on, but at the point of being replaced, he was the weakest mid laner in LEC and leader had loads of just really good games. And Astralis's goals are not the same as a team like Vitality. Like, realistically, I mean, I say that, BDS made the finals, right? But, like, <laughs> realistically, Astralis staying relevant, being in playoffs, being in lots of best-of series, and not just, like, scraping in, but being, like, a proper team, I think that is a goal that was achieved, and that was probably the most, the, the, the highest upside they could have hoped to have had. And Leader facilitated that by basically being pretty good and in some games really bloody good so i would say that yeah for me it's it's leader and now like when you look at that astralis team 
you just wouldn't think about replacing mid, I wouldn't have thought. So, yeah, it has to be leader. Also, again, keep in mind, we mentioned this on the last, well, on the EuroLeague, actually, on the, that Thorin was also on, but they, they always have such a shoestring budget that it's not just a case of like, oh, but they could have got this Korean import player and that would have been better than leader. It's like, dude, they got like way beyond what they spent to, to make that move. So I think that has to apply. Whereas, spoiler alert, upset wasn't very cheap. So, like, when you factor everything in, you know, pound for pound, it's got to be leader, I think. Leader's the best roster move there for Rich. What are you thinking, Lauren? Those are the two main names I'm going between, leader and upset. Because, obviously, stuff like, like, look, there's a world where Oskarinen coming in did, like, help turn Fnatic around. And maybe they could have won that game that we're talking about. They could have come out fifth to sixth. But does that really matter? Like, not really. And even then, he had some games that were bad at the beginning. The thing is, I'm actually tempted to go with the upset one, but I'll lay out the case for both. The reason why I think the leader one is a good one is because the fact that people aren't going to bother remembering is if Fnatic had have just won that fucking game against Mad Lions, it would have been Fnatic against Astralis to get out of the ground. Dude, I think leader would have taken Astralis to the fucking playoffs. I think they would have come fourth in this split, which if you think about it, like you say, with the shoestring budget of Astralis, by the way, they still do that stupid shit where they live in Copenhagen if people don't know. Like, if you add it together, all the factors, like, that would be very fucking impressive. Like, if the 113 guy suddenly now is and Finn and now just like rocking up to fourth place and then playoffs like that would be a pretty big change from where the team was remember at the beginning of the year people had them as a team that's going to be like not making even the groups part of the tournament you know they're going to be the ninth or tenth by the way so, I, I do think uh, yeah, I was just going to say I believe some people were writing this in the YouTube comments and I had heard it before so I think it might be true I think during season they do now stay in Berlin I oh think. fair enough they like boot okay. camp they're all their pre-season and I think they go back to Copenhagen every now and then, but they're not doing the fly there and back every right. time thing anymore I okay believe. That's not as bad then, but I just, just if people don't know, back in the day, that was definitely another thing that put some yeah. people off joining Astralis. It, like, if you were some ERL guy and it was debatable, then why go and, like, not even be in the city and have to fly and so... Yeah, so basically, to me, like, in theory, essentially, if they had have done that, if Leader had a take them off, then I'd probably pick him. The reason I'll pick Upset, though, is because technically the question was, what is the best roster move? It's actually not, like, framed versus, like, money and stuff. I know what you mean by that, Rich, but... Mm. And so, essentially, I think Upset to Vitality was a mega move. They still finished third, and I'll just say this even though there will be really unwell people who could frame it this way, he's about the only person you can't fucking blame for them not winning. He's about the only one on the whole team that almost just played well every game and did what he was supposed to do. Like, I actually think if the others had played better, he probably could have been in the final or a champion. So I think that was just a banger, not least because it already got them to third now. They actually would semi-irrelevant once the groups got around last time. And then obviously, like you say, there's a world where they win the next split off this. So I think they're both good picks, though. Both banger moves. Yeah, I think I, I was I was quite surprised with Leader's performance because it's, well, as we'll see later on in this uh, in the show, we have a Leader Award, right? Yeah. Because he has a certain reputation. I wonder whether we have to... I mean, to... the joke is he's not going to win it, is he? That's what's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, actually turned, that's yeah. how you know he's turned his narrative around. He's not actually a contender for the Leader Award <laughs> at this point. So fair play. Yeah, fair play, mate. That is actually quite funny. <laughs> Bless him. Uh, yeah, I think it's... Uh, yeah, I, I like those two as, as choices. I think they're, again, pretty much the, the, the main choices to go by. And depending on your criteria, obviously, as to what constitutes the uh, the best roster move. It's more and by the way, I feel like wrist. it sort of tells you how bad the state is for Excel, that none of their moves are even <laughs> considered. Like, it almost doesn't matter that they change players. No one gives a shit. I would, I would give a tiny, tiny, <laughs> tiny shout out to Limit just because... 
of how bad Targamas was in that team, especially in the 2v2. And if you were doing it by a, like a by the numbers thing, they died, Patrick and Targamas died in lane about 278 times. And I, I think they got <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, I don't think they died. <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't remember them getting 2v2 in lane. I'm sure it did happen, but it was, it became not a problem. So there was actually a big upgrade there. But yeah, unfortunately, when you go from 10th to 10th, you don't really fall into the picture, do you? So sorry, limit. Still can't believe that team hasn't been able to do anything. We'll see if Winter Split turns it around for them, but my goodness. Um, anyway, let's move on from the best roster move to the unsung hero of the split. Who do you guys think was uh, was a player that deserves a little bit more recognition, a little bit more credit perhaps for what they uh, brought to their team, what they brought onto the Rift that maybe wasn't given enough attention either on the broadcast or on social media or in the general public's opinion? Guys, what are you thinking? Who is the uh, the unsung hero of uh, of the split? So, and Doran's getting that one. Sorry, Rich. Okay, this is Leave a tough one. There. Actually, I feel like this is one of the <laughs> hardest ones. Actually, because the thing is, like, I try to do it when I do this topic. I always try to do it based on like the general sort of like sense I'm getting from the community. So, for example, I actually do feel like if I hadn't seen any media, I would be, it's young course, but I actually think everyone's on that train. I think even the yeah. idiots on Reddit eventually just because he had good stats. Like, everyone seems like they get that he's Elo held and he is, like, way better and all that jazz. So I think for this one, like, I'm trying to think which way I would go on this one. I feel like there's a couple of ways I could go. One is I could do, like, I'm not sure which one it would be, but I could do one of, like, the BDS coaches. Because I have to say, I put a lot of, like, their success. I put it on Crown Shop first, and then secondly, I put it on the coaches stuff. Like, I do think that's a coaching staff that sort of, like, solved problems of the players that I don't even think some of the players know exist. And they sort of just did that thing where you just, you do this, and you do oh, it works out magically. We're all good players now. I don't really, I don't believe some of those players are even that good now. So I think they worked miracles. I know some people have given them a little bit of credit, but I I feel like people have made the mistake, especially on Reddit, of thinking just the players are all really good. Like, dude, people talk like we're all supposed to go back in a time machine and apologize to Adam. For what? He's the same fucking player, just slightly better because he played a few more splits. He's still got a lot of the same problems. It's just that someone else, not him, found a way to play around his weaknesses. Like, I don't, I can't give him credit for that. And I'm trying to think the only other one I would potentially have done. The problem is I just I can't in good faith do it. This is the problem. The only other person I think I would have said is, and this will sound mad, is actually Shigenda from Koi. And the reason why I might have said him as the unsung hero is because everyone justifiably banged on him super hard in Winter Split. Whereas all I'm going to say is he's basically one of the reasons they beat G2 in this groups here, which was one of the big upset. And I thought in general, even though he still doesn't fit the team, well, he sort of like on his individual game got it to just a better level. Like he actually was pretty decent this split. He definitely had some times he did carry the odd game. So I would probably just, right, I don't know who, is it Striker from um, BDS I'm supposed yeah. to pick? Whoever the coach is in BDS, I'll probably take him because I do think he, he worked miracles, mate. Like, almost won the bloody league. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's insane. Yeah. I think go to one or something is their head coach. I'm not sure who, who does what though. So yeah, we'll just say whichever coach did it on BDS is my answer. All right, the BDS I mean, coaching, the fact that uh, I don't even know him shows that he's unsung, right? Like, <laughs> I don't even know the name of my own hero. So. You know, once, once we're given the... <laughs> Ten million dollar budget for these shows in person. They can, you know what? They they both come exactly. up on stage. Yeah. Both come up no on problem. stage. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> what about you then, uh, Rich? Who's your who's your choice, the unsung hero? See, I'm going to go in a completely different direction. Uh, okay. One I'm less confident on because I feel like some people do give him his props, which is Kobe, who I feel is just fucking sat in 
purgatory perpetually at like the bottom of the AD carry everyone's AD carry tier list and he's actually just good this split like just straight up good mm -hmm. but I do feel like quite a lot of people have noticed that I feel like his name has been thrown around a bit and given a bit more respect but worth mentioning the one I will probably go with even though they've not been like the best player in their position or whatever is actually Chasey and the reason why I'll go with Chasey is one I think you can make a strong argument or a decent argument actually Ah, probably third. But he's been like a top three top laner. Obviously, I think Photon and particularly during like the regular season and some BO3s, I think Adam was probably like a better top laner. So those are probably like the two standout top laners. But I think he's been quietly good most of the time. And most importantly, he had a banger best of series against the objectively best top laner of the last two splits, Photon, when they played in playoffs. So I think, and no one talks about Chasey. Like, I mean, to be fair, there's nothing particularly interesting to say. Like, he, you know, he's never given an interview as far as I know. He didn't have a big reputation before he came in. He was playing in fucking NLC on X7. Like, this guy doesn't have, like, a big presence. So there was never, like, much narrative around him whatsoever. But I actually think the fact that he had a decent level of play all the way through, contributed to the team that won the split, and bested the best top laner in a best of series i think yeah i i'd, I'd give it to him because i don't think anyone really talks about him all right so chasey for you and uh <clears throat> not a bad choice to be honest i think when you're the the issue with unsung heroes is you're trying to like balance who do you think has has gotten the attention compared to who do you think deserves the attention as well um but i think chase is a good answer and i'm i'm happy with the Sugenja shout out as well because as someone who covered him so much in, in eu masters it was like two years before he really got a, a shot at lec and he didn't really do too much but he was so good in e Masters. like you could tell that he just had something like the talent was there and that you know he was definitely when he was on his game he was very formidable it's 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 nice to see that he actually had probably his best split i'd say as a as a player let's move on then to the to the leader award um, which leader is not going to win, as as Thorin mentioned? Essentially, leader award is uh, is kind of like the most overhyped player, or the, or, or the player that came in with the most hype and and wasn't able to live up to it. If I'm not mistaken, that is generally yep. Yep, yep. what this what this award tends to be. Um, yeah, and I don't, as sad as it is to say, I th I think leader <laughs> actually kind of exceeded his expectation expectations. So it's not going to be him, unfortunately. Or maybe fortunately for him, because it's not exactly a, a graceful award to receive, is it? Um, it will be someone else. So who is it going to be this time around? If it's not going to be leader, who is the leader that isn't leader of the uh, of the spring split? Rich, I'm coming to you first on this one again. Hit me up. So I have a banger for this one. I think there's only one answer. And again, keep in mind, I don't think it's like, it doesn't always have to be a new player coming into the league. Like the way I describe the award, as I said, it's basically it's the ratio of performance versus reputation, right? And for me, sure. it's Caps. Caps wins the leader award. And does that wow. mean that Caps was horrendous this split? No. But obviously, Caps is one of the all-time great Western players. For a lot of people, the most talented Western player, arguably, of all time. It's not like he was bad last split or something, was he? And he just did not show up in the best ofs at all. He was actually just 
bad in the best ofs. Like, even if we forget, like, the benchmark he set for himself, which is obviously what this is about, even scrapping that and just sort of saying, as a default playoff level LEC mid laner, he was bad in playoffs. So, yeah, for me, it's, it's actually just caps because obviously one of the most loftiest, if not the loftiest reputation in the whole league and one of the worst performers in playoffs individually. So, yeah, for, for me, that was actually kind of a kind of an easy one. Wow. Okay, I wasn't expecting to hear Caps' name on this one. What about you, Thorne? Do you have an equally spicy take? Uh, I think it's spicy, but not in that way. Like, the difference is that one's more like, it, it, it feels like it shouldn't be right, should it? Because it's Caps, like, what the fuck, it's Caps. Mm. But I, I sort of agree, he was a bit lacklustre to this split, but it wasn't bad. It's just that, yeah, you expect Caps to be the best player. Uh, I have a similar one, it's also from G2. I'm going to go with Yike, and here's the reason why. Because he was literally the second all-pro jungler last split. And he was the champion last split. And so every fucking moron who doesn't use their brain or eyes to just look at the titles and things like that goes, he is the best. He is among the best junglers. I don't even think he was a top four jungler this split. I'll say that. How do you like that? I'll, here's my list, okay? Right, look, the ball one's debatable because he got shit at the end. But whatever. For the most of the split, they were both dodgy. Ball's in there. El Yoy is easily in there. Yanko's in there. And then maybe you could put Shio even, quite frankly, the way it worked this split. He's actually one of those players I'm not sort of dissing too much on BDS. I sort of think he's maybe found a niche and he maybe knows how to play the game. So bearing in mind, people did. Look, this is, this is another. It's like the last question. You have to know what the fan take is. Dude, people acted like... The joke is they acted like Yike is the player I think boys. Like he's the generational talent. He's the one who's some good player. And I get why. It's because the way they covered him in the winter, you didn't see his flaws. Also, when he would play like those Belveth games, you were like, wait a minute, he can carry two. And it's like, yeah, but here's what you aren't, here's what you're ignoring, guys. He can't do what the absolute, look, I'm not saying he's bad. He can't do what the absolute best junglers do, though. People like Jankos and El Yoya, they can play from behind. They can play with one lane that's got a lead. They can play with a draft that was scuffed. They can play when the enemy jungler's ahead. This guy, because he's inexperienced and because he was on a team where they covered a lot of his flaws, I thought he got somewhat exposed in a bunch of the games this split, actually. It's not even like he was individually bad, like I say. I could just tell he was a bit lost. He didn't know what to do. I actually will say as well, and the reason why I'm actually so like scrutinizing on people like this when they're rookies is I also think of all the roles in League of Legends, jungle is the least forgiving for rookies. It is almost by definition the brain role. It's supposed to be where like experience wins the day. So I also just think he was put in an almost impossible scenario because here's the thing. If he was on like Astralis, then you wouldn't, even though you might see a bad game, you would just see the positives of him as a player. When you're in his spot on G2, it's like I said on so many insight. Remember the off season? They, Mad Lions was trying to sell El Yoya to G2. And if he had gone for like a million something dollars, it would just be this lineup with El Yoya. Well, spoiler, if I told you that now and you're a G2 fan, wouldn't you snap my hand off? Because not only would you probably have won both splits, but Nate, you would now be going to MSI as like one of the better Western teams in like quite a few years. I think you'd be cracked out. So sadly, I, I, it's not even a flame on him. It's, it's a bit like the Caps one. I'm actually just, it's just the fact that like, he just can't be the player people thought he was. Like the people acted like this guy guy could have been the best jungler it's like not really i mean essentially he's only the best jungler if you had the perfect scenario yeah on that though like it's and there were like i think we and obviously other people caught a lot of flack for constantly caveating his performances in winter but this was why it was all i i was always like preface everything i would say about yike which is he what he's doing is really good he's playing out the play style they're currently playing really well but you can't fully convince me or be touted as you said as the best jungler 
if I haven't seen you do the other styles of jungling that will you will have to do eventually, right? That was always the caveat. And what people in League of Legends do, fans particularly, is they'll see someone playing at like a super elite level in a particular meta. And then they'll try and use evidence from that meta to justify like, no, because he just do this and we've seen him play this. So if it does move to a meta where enemy jungler picks that, well, he can just counter that because that's a natural counter on OPGG. And I saw him play it in a game <laughs> where this matchup wasn't relevant and he was really good at it. So he could definitely do it. It's like, no, until you see a jungler play with losing lanes you do not know whether or not they can play of losing lanes you can't say it in the game where he had winning lanes and yes but he passed like this and this and this and actually that's the same way you passed if you did have two out of three losing it's not the same thing at all like you don't understand the dominoes that take place when this happens and the fact that someone like Alyoya will just walk into your race at level fucking one if that's a different dynamic like you can't just assume everything lays out the same league is a game with like so many infinite variables that unfortunately until you do walk the walk which you cannot be given credit for it especially as a rookie where your sample size is eh. so yeah i i think that was always like something that people were very got very upset and defensive about when it came to yike but really all anyone was saying was guys look he looks really fucking good in this meta props to him but no we're not going to crown him just yet so yeah. unfortunately that has kind of come home to roost a little bit i, I still think he's like fine like, i think he's a good jungler overall um, but yeah, clearly he has struggled a bit more when G2 hasn't just been fucking face rolling the whole map at like level one to three. By the way, if you notice, the reason why our takes are G2 players is because quite frankly, I think most people have this sentiment. Like G2, if they've done it all right, just should have won the split. They should have been the best team. Also, if you notice, because people are going to think like, why don't you pick Bo then? Didn't you say, no, because here's the thing about why Bo doesn't win this award. Because Bo, even though I, I, like all my take is based on like his ability and his potential and what he can do. Like he hasn't, he's not experienced. He hasn't been in finals and stuff. Like it actually makes sense just like Yike that he have breakdowns like that is to be expected i'm afraid sophomore slump for for yike then pretty who are you picking who are you picking foxtrot who's your my, award? my leader award god that is a tough question actually i uh... oh my goodness to be fair, by the way someone could have picked photon for this as well i guess that's when going on what he was like last so split, good right? before right yeah, yeah I, exactly. you, I, I was very shocked how bad he was in the playoffs yeah, I, I think it's it's tough to say. I, for me, it kind of has to be. Oh my! I I I want to lean towards someone like Yike as well because if you're thinking about from 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 the awards perspective, I don't think Yike was like objectively terrible, but he did kind of show that he was a rookie, or like he, he well, he's not a rookie, but you know that he no, he's... in the colloquial sense, yeah, 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 and and I think that was kind of exposed a little bit, and so considering the hype that he had last split kind of coming in and just being really good and doing really really well there was definitely a separation between that performance well so that was his performance right so then the expectations were up here so then when the performance was slightly down here that's a big that's a that's a cliff that he just fell off essentially uh, which is what this award is about but i'm not i'm not writing him off as like a shit player or anything like that or you know yike is washed and he's crap and blah 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 but I think that would uh, have to be the the choice for for the split. Let's move on anyway to the the least annoying broadcast talent. Brilliant, brilliant award. Um, if I'm not mistaken, last time I think Dagda won this one, um, because we we like Dagda, and I'm I'm going to give it to him again because I think that Dagda again has shown that. Honestly, LEC and EULCS done fucked up in the in in the years prior. With, with their whole mentality about hiring talent. I've had conversations with other talent that have been 
um, part of the LEC and EULCS. Um, and and it's, it's very clear. They have directly been told that you need to have a brand if you want to be considered to be hired for, for a caster role, which I think is a little bit silly because um, how are you meant to get that brand if you're not being hired to be a caster for the EULCS and LEC? So what happens is these casters who are exceptionally talented kind of rot away in, in these like minor leagues, in, in these, uh, as far as like an English broadcast is concerned, these like lesser known leagues. And then, and then when they're when when the um, audience realizes they're good casters and they get appreciated, LEC will pick them up. It's like, bro, just these guys have always, Dagda's always been good. I've been working with Dagda since I started casting in 2017, that's six years ago, and he's always been this good. He's always had top-notch analysis, and he's got good on-camera presence. That's the important thing. He's good on camera, and he's easy to listen to. That is something that the LEC and EOCS has sorely lacked up until pretty much Cajal came along, essentially. Like, just someone who's a natural. And you've got him now. He's Dagda. Look at him. You're putting him on the finals and everything. He's fucking good. He's always been this good, man. So Dagda's the least annoying broadcast talent for me. What about you guys, though? That's a bit of a cheap one because we already did them for last. But do you have anyone else who's least annoying? Or uh, what are your thoughts? I'll give you an angle. Here's the thing, right? On this one, if you know the way I'm, I am with awards, I actually do hate that approach that media people take. Where it's like, well, I said him last year, so let's change this. Year. If someone's actually the winner, they're the winner. So, like, spoiler, I picked Laura every single time. She hasn't yeah. started annoying me this split, so in theory, I would pick her. I also think Dagda's a good shout. By the way, there's actually quite a few people on LEC broadcast live up to this cat factor. But, like, for example, I'll show you how I eliminate them. Like, in theory, Cajal doesn't ever annoy me, but he does on the broadcast in the sense that that he is with certain casters that do annoy me, and he is very much sort of the go-along-to-get-along type guy. So, unfortunately, they can sort of make him annoying in a way, if you know what I mean. So, that that one disqualifies it. So, I'll actually say it as a surprise pick, because I've also got a secondary angle as to why I'm going to say this. Is I'm actually going to take Trouble Inc., which, because one, it's spicy, because some people... I, I'm not going to say it's just because they're a woman. There's definitely other reasons you can dislike people. But for some reason, I don't feel like she's super popular. Actually, I, I think some people actually think she is annoying, which is interesting to me because I've never really got that vibe. And also, the secondary angle of why I'm going to say it is because she isn't a permanent member of LEC, and I'm actually shocked by that. Not least yeah. because, one, I'm so sick and tired of people for real getting diversity hired from certain check boxes into all these roles. And then, meanwhile, Rich, I'm in a world where, like, I think Troubling's fucking banging and as an analyst, an actual person studying the game. I think Jay or the one from Valorant is really good. They can't get a bloody job for yeah. love nor money. I don't get it. In an industry where you're giving out stupid positions, the ones who are actually good at their job can't get the role. What? Like, what is that? And so, first of all, I can't believe she isn't permanent on LEC anyway. I think it'd just be a slam dunk. And then also, the thing I like about her the most is, remember, this is a key thing people don't get, right? Law, Foscourt, uh, not Foscourt, Shocks, they're doing a great job in very traditional roles for women in esports. Yeah. This, the one of the reasons I always promoted Foscourt as well, beyond the fact she was good and obviously, is because she was trying to be the fucking analyst. She was trying to do the role where, by definition, it's supposed to be I'm the smartest person in the room right now. Everyone shut up so I can tell you what's happening. And when you listen to me, I'm supposed to actually have that authority that you believe I know that what's going on. It's why people like Monty, they don't get it. When you call Monty arrogant, you're an idiot. That's like, like, that's like saying, oh, fucking. 
fucking cork does a lot of like aggressive advertising. Like, yeah, that's the fucking style you're more on that goes hand in hand with it. So essentially, I've always thought it's impressive that she does it because she nails that part for me. It's not that I agree with all her takes, but the thing about Troublink I like is her like enthusiasm I find really infectious. Like when she's yeah. describing, she doesn't do it in that boring way of like X's and O's. She does it where she sort of like gets me into the, like the story of why this player in the game is going to be the X Factor. So I find it not annoying at all. So since I know a lot of people for some reason think she's like whatever, slightly annoying or whatever, I'll, I'll take the, the contrarian take. I think she's not annoying at all to me. I wish she was on every episode. By the way, yeah, just, just, uh, I can tell you why, and, and you're probably going to be like, what the fuck? But I, I know the reason why the people who find her annoying oh, find really? her annoying. Okay, which is, on. it's very simple. It's her accent, apparently. Mate, like, here's what's wild, Rich. That's also a detail that I find wild because since I know you have been in rooms with both fucking Forgiven and Labrov, bro, her accent is amazing for someone yeah. Greek. Are you out of your <laughs> mind? I can hear everything. She I even know Forgiven for years. And when he starts going, it sounds like his mouth is trying to fight him to not let the words get out. It, like, it's mental. It's, and Labrov's just the same if you ever see the interviews. Like, yeah. their accents are wild. So her accent is actually incredible for someone Greek if you yeah, don't know. It's no, really it's, good. It's not, it's not about <laughs> it's being... It's really good. Yeah, that's the thing. Though. It's not about being hard to understand. It's just that... Because she spent a lot of time living in the UK and because she spent a lot of time living in Germany, she's got like this amalgam accent and it just... Oh, it, is that what it, folks with people? And pe no, yeah, it's not even like, oh, I hate, I don't like her on the broadcast because it's hard to understand. It's, I just don't like the sound of her voice. That's oh, literally okay. it. That's literally Fair it. Enough. But there's, okay. yeah, it's just sweat. There's swathes of people okay. who just don't like the sound of her voice. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I went for Troublink last time because also last split, Troublink was doing a lot of the interviewing yes. stuff. And I thought she was by far the best interviewer. Oh, and this I is... can't believe they didn't do it again. She was Mate, killing it, man. I, uh, so this is something that's like a pet, a real massive pet peeve for me at the moment is because obviously they're doing a lot of stuff with like the guests and whatever, like the guest people who come in, like Frankie and the Insu or whatever. And I think also because they were going to go with UK people for MSI, that was like a big oh, okay. thing. Basically, it's a cost-saving exercise. Yeah, yeah. They're already in the UK, sure, whatever, fine. But I have to say, I am someone who like, watches a lot of CSGO and stuff like that. I think Frankie is really good at her job when she does her job. Like, I think she's actually like really good at her job. Yinsu, uh, who's like more on the Valorant side generally, like I think she's quite good. Like when I've seen her do Valorant like, or, or fine, like I don't particularly notice her like either way, but I think she's completely competent. This split, like in particular, I thought both were woeful when they did LEC, to be honest. I actually thought they were terrible. I've seen Frankie do guest spots uh, before in the past for LEC where I thought she was fine or even did something a little bit different that was kind of fun or whatever and to bring her in once a split was cool. I thought when they did the on-stage interview stuff, they were terrible. It was poorly researched. They had no fucking game knowledge between the two of them. It was ridiculous. And they were straight up awkward. Yinsu was terrible. Like, talk about... Stage, See the the stage... segment is least annoying. <laughs> Explain it why there. they all annoy you, man. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> getting there. <laughs> Jinsu, no, like, okay. stage presence terrible or just, like, lack thereof. Just horrendous, awkward. They hadn't thought about questions beforehand that, like, when you're going to do an interview, my biggest tip, would, as someone who never does fucking interviews of this kind of sort, but I'm going to give you my fucking tips anyway, <laughs> I would say, 
have a few, like, let's say four questions, no more than that, like give the person the ability to actually answer them properly, at least two of those questions should be answerable no matter what happens in the game. Because you're going to have a very small window of time when a game could, remember, a game could be decided on a base race or a bad reckless flash, right? Like right at the end. So you're not going to have like loads of time to put these together. So at least two of those questions should, you should be able to ask anyway. They should be like timeless questions. And then the other one should obviously be very game specific, have a really interesting angle or take or and get their take on that. She went on to stage, I feel like, without any... No, I don't mean like physical notes without like anything in her head about what it was that she wanted to ask before and then nothing had changed on the basis of how the games had gone and I was just like what am I watching and the reason why this is annoying me again because obviously this is sort of they're building them up to drag them down like Troubling was my uh, broadcast talent from last year and that's what she's been replaced with like these random fucking guest spots by people who don't know the game and aren't well prepared like I don't know I find it infuriating but for me, I'd also say it's really difficult for me to pick someone. And this might sound like a joke, but it's act it's unironically not a joke. So when I watch LEC, I in when I watch it live, I usually watch completely muted and then I'll re-watch games or at least like skim through and I'll have the, the especially with team fight breakdowns and stuff and I'll have the audio on so I can hear the casters and the analysts break down the fights and stuff like this. This year, I have not really listened to any because of that one fucking girl who's at LEC every week. I'm not joking. Oh, the that one who one screams or whatever. It's so annoying. And I, I like All made right. tweets about it and people do so think like, ah, yeah, funny tweet. Yeah. But no, I'm not joking. It's so fucking wrenching. I can't listen to it. I hate it. Every time there's a kill for either team, by the way, like the most fucking partisan person in the world, just screeching. And it's not just her. Like there, are, there's like a group of them that go. Right. And she's like the lead screecher. And then there are like the minion the screechers. And it is, uh, it's horrible. It's so unpalatable. I can't do it. I, honestly, I can't watch it. It's so distracting. So I can't really give like a good answer. I'm just going to give it to Troubling, even though I think she's, I don't think I've heard a word she said. It's the way he started explaining people in the crowd that were irritating him, even Fox Troubling. he got going. He was just like, you know what? <laughs> It's true. Like I can't. I can't. I can't. I, to be honest, I would have taken should have taken this question out for me because I, I don't. I I couldn't pick someone. But yeah, Dagda. Is, unless anything's changed again, I haven't really listened. Dagda's the best caster for me. Cadrill, I guess, is the best all round like game knowledge guy slash contributing voice. And yeah, I think Troubling, especially like as an interviewer, just really good. Even though I don't think he's done any interviews. So take your pick. I'll just go with the consensus. I'll go with Dagda and. You can't really go wrong with Dagda, can you? Yeah. Yeah. You can't really go wrong. So you were saying that like, you're disappointed that Troublink's been being replaced by kind of I, I don't know if outside hires is the right phrase, but it's that that kind of thing. It's exactly what I said. It's the brand thing. That's that's all it is. Like, I think Troublink is is I think she did really well with the with the interviews as we mentioned last week. She's very, she has good on camera presence. Like she she is, and as Soren said here as well, she does have that level of enthusiasm. She's fun to listen to and, and she, she does hype you up and she does have energy and she's not that boring, droll, monotone kind of League of Legends formulaic and this minion was on two health and if you'd last hit in this situation and then the mention cancelled and then, you know, none of that boring bollocks that you get with, with, with stereotypical analysis in League of Legends specifically. Um, she's so she's so she doesn't bring that which is great like she she's not that that kind of energy not that kind of vibe but she's nowhere near as big a brand as yunzu or 
or Frankie. But I would say, so, first of all, who in League of Legends knows or gives a fuck about Yinsu, just as an example? I think Frankie's like bigger beyond that. So maybe, and she's also done guest spots before. Yeah, but here's so the me- thing, Rich. I'll give you the angle for <laughs> Yinsu. That's Riot patting themselves on the back. Like, see this woman that we hire in Valorant and does all our events. She can do League too, you know, aren't we genius? I think that's why they brought her over. I I think it was purely because, because I think Yinsu may only have done one guest spot, but I think it was purely because they're like, what we don't want is people to be like, what? Who's this fucking random person doing MSI? And because they always mm. knew they were going to hire people. Who oh, is she going to work for MSI? You think? I think so. Yeah. Holy I think so. mo- I think That would be wild. I think it's actually been an. I'm actually just going to double check okay. that now. But I think. Uh, I mean, it sounds plausible. I guess if they need people to work. The I'm event, sure. I think that would be wild, mate. Here we go. Broadcast talent announced. Uh, Yinsu. Yes, she's doing MSI. Oh, okay. So there you go. That is purely, in my opinion, because they didn't want to be like, wait, what the fuck? This person who I've never seen do anything in League of Legends before ever is now being given one of the two biggest events of the year. But they can now justify it. Right. Like, what do you mean? She did the LEC this split. And it's like, <laughs> dude, she did like two terrible fucking stage interviews that I had to mute more than I did when I was listening to fucking Screechy McGee in the third row with her little minions. Like, what are we talking about? So that's... I really like Yinsu as a talent, by the way. I think she's oh, sure. one of the best hosts we have in the But to in quote, to quote sure, LeVar but... Ball, stay in your lane. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm willing I'm willing to give her Yeah, I, I, I'm happy to see her in, in leagues. I do think she has she's got the personality that I'm I mean, I'm just so I'm so critical of this lack of charisma that League of Legends has fostered in his esports scene since its inception, especially in EU or specifically in EU, really, because I think NA has always done it better. But Fox, anytime I, back... I get a whiff, I get a crumb of charisma and personality, and I'm like, oh, yes. But Fox, go back, go back and look at those interviews that she did and tell me that she justified her guest spot. Like, it's ridiculous. I mean, in fairness, I didn't see her performance on, on LEC, so I can't, yeah, I don't. I can't comment I'm on all, this. By yeah, the way, I'm all first. Here's, what, here's all I'm going to say on this. I won't particularly like this. She's all right. It's like she can be good on Valorant. Not, I don't think she's some like world-class person. Like She's not like Sharks level or whatever. My problem with that whole topic is just this. If you're going to fucking complain about injustice, keep that energy, homie. So if you're ever in your game going to complain that you weren't hired to an event or this person should be or whatever, then how can you go and take someone else's spot in another game where by definition you're not qualified? You're not the best. In fact, the joke here is like, even within the game, there's people who would be better for this role. That's the only problem I have. In that scenario, because you accept a spot that, like, look, I get why they do it, but because you accept a spot that's not really yours, you just put yourself in the targets to be criticized for that. Yeah. Like, that's not hating because... I just hate that angle. Like, the, in this, if it's their game, people love to complain. Like, oh, why aren't I at the event? It's like, well, then do that same thing when you get the unfair spot. But in fact, you could even do it, by the way, if you were clever, in a, in a way that would help PR-wise. Just say, look, guys, I know I'm not really a traditionally a League of Legends talent, and people might wonder maybe I've took someone else's spot, but don't worry, I'm really motivated, I'm practicing. I'd, mm. I'd, I'd, I'd even set people up lightly like that so that you don't get flamed if I were you. Right, let's move on Crack into on. Our, next, uh, our next topic. So suddenly realize we have topics to talk about. It's not just Rich getting angry at everything and everyone that annoys him. 
Um, oh, but, by the way, as a random aside, I won't do the whole thing because we've got loads more topics to do. But if we ever did do most annoying talent, which would obviously be the spicy one, I have to say there's a new contender for that, mate. And he might be the fucking reigning champion for a long time. Mate, I'm actually sick of fucking gold ball. I knew it. <laughs> yes, I'm sick I of it. it. And here's yeah. why. Oh. Because here's the reason I'm sick of it, right? Look, as a person, an expert, a take, they're all okay. It's not my favorite, but they're all okay. There's nothing wrong with like, his takes or whatever. But, mate, I feel like he actually does a really bad, as, as someone who's been an analyst for. 60 events or something, like eight world championships in CSGO. I would hate to work on a desk with this guy. He's the guy who fucks all your shit up and sabot. Like, he jumps in with things when you're trying to talk and fucking tries to add his own joke to your joke that you make. I hate shit like mm. that. Shit like that drives me up the wall because, like you're saying, Fox, when you're trying to add, like, entertainment elements to a show, mm. you, that's the worst when someone steps on your toes. It's one thing if we're both doing analysis and you say, yeah, I thought that pick was good. Like, that's not going to throw me off. If I'm making a fucking joke and you jump in while I'm delivering the punchline, mate, I would fucking tear you up in a green room if you did that. So I'm just going to say that. That's one Wait, I, I, it's sort of grown on me split by split, but he's fucking doing my head in now, mate. You know, he's he got so much. He's got. I thought, and he the, seems to be the golden boy of the fucking league. I don't get it. I, I mean, it's just that's just a, that's it. just a quick shot connection. Like, but he it, he's like so frenetic and panicked, and I feel like he has so much like balled up nervous energy, and he feels that he has to just interject all the time. And I thought after a while that would stop because I do think he has like decent qualities. I also think when he was in like doing remote positions and like EUM and stuff, and he was calmer. He was better, but yeah, he's just, he's too, he is like a little ball of electricity, not in a particularly good way that you just fucking <laughs> it into the room and just like, psh. but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Not for me at the moment, unfortunately. But you no, know, this topic's about... Up, I had to say who I was going to flame. They go. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, like, as yeah. we know, this topic's <laughs> about praising people. You know, we don't... <laughs> Don't single out people. It's the way that we do actually say who annoys us least by process of elimination on why everyone else annoys us on the broadcast. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. Whoever's left wins at the end. Hate, and then there's like two guys exactly. left we haven't yeah. mentioned. <laughs> that must be the winner. <laughs> Come on. Stay. And also, how toxic is my pick? I picked someone who was only even a guest on LEC. Like, all the regulars apparently <laughs> can't win this award for me. There you go. All right. The least annoying person. Because he wasn't on any of the shows. He was there they for one. They win by default, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on, though, to the most the most ELO-held player slash team. Isn't this probably this the worst one. one of all okay, time? Yeah, this is you the know? one. <laughs> yeah, the Yankos <laughs> Award. Yeah, we all need to rename this yeah. one, too. It basically is the winner. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. Don't think we need um, to break this Because the problem down. is, like, I also think, like, it, the one thing to say is this. The reason why this is the most extreme example of this award is because you would normally never be able to get a player of Yankos' experience, ability level, before, to, into a team this bad. Like, obviously, mm. people know the offseason was completely scoffed. If people don't know, essentially, Yankos got the same thing that happened with El Yoya, except El Yoya's team ended up working out. They both had their teams fumble the bag over and over and over again and end up with way less than they needed. And so, in his case, he could have gone to a whole bunch of better teams. So this actually was the worst of all possible worlds. And somehow he ended up here. And then the craziest thing to me is this. I've never seen a player in a needle or hell spot like this. Just keep trying like this, mate. You would really believe like they were going to kill him at the end of the game. if Like the, like that's how hard this guy tried. He didn't even, even though he's had all these years, by the way, you know how many fucking players would just go, I'm a legend. I'll phone it in and wait till next split or wait till I get... This guy was still trying at the end, mate. I mean, you, that's why when everyone got mad with Frankie for that interview, dude, what people didn't praise is how fucking good is Jankos that he can yeah. play defense for some of the worst solo liners to ever play at LEC and pretend they're not even just shitters dragging him down. Like, this guy just has the most cracked out mental I've seen in fucking years, mate. What a, what a legend. Yeah. yeah, he's a pure gamer here. So we, we agree that Jankos yeah. is the most yeah. Elo Easy. Held Easy. Player. 
maybe even of all time. How about how's that? In the West, right? in the yeah. West, there are some Korean yeah. uh, players I can think of who were fucking. Because the other reason why this was also exceptional to me is because also, unfortunately, because he plays jungle and in the modern day, he's the master of the support of jungle style. It also means like it's the worst position to try and one v the worst position in style to one v nine a League of Legends game from. Like even if you'd just been like if, like the difference is like El Yoya could potentially just carry some games. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you were Yankos, this was an impossible task. That's why I think it, it might be the most crazy elo hell i've seen in years years and years all right let's move on then the next player to be benched who do you think is going to be uh, getting the axe moving into the winter split this is also really tough, you know, because yeah, if you yeah. think about it, like Exxon's made some of their changes. Fnatic, in theory, maybe they don't want to make... Who the fuck... Not? This is actually a really hard one for me. No. Yeah, I'm not sure, honestly, who's... Yeah, I think there's uh, I mean... one... Oh, sorry, no, go on, Fox. Well, I was going to say there's different ways to look at it, like, as well, just whether or not... You know, there, there's the on-the-riff performance, and then there's the maybe perhaps business reasons why someone might might get benched or why team might make a roster move but yeah i was just saying there's 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 layers to this one like a, like an onion but yeah what are, you, what are you gonna say rich what are your thoughts so for me i think there's like one very sort of obvious well, i mean there's multiple obvious ones for different reasons but i think there's one very like stark obvious one which is ebby the top laner for heretics i feel like he's just bad on anything not named Cassante, essentially like he has shown that he cannot play lec level i think for the other names that we may talk about or whatever they there can be a touch of wrong place wrong time or bad fit or there are there's probably some upside i think there is zero upside to ebby whatsoever also english isn't his first language like there's no reason to keep this guy around at all i think a couple of the other angles you could go with obviously i even though Sorin said like he picked up towards the end and was you know had some decent performances Oscaranin, I could see being benched next if I was kind of like projecting into the future as like what I would expect to happen maybe. Obviously had some disastrous performances early and then a couple more late, even though his performances overall sort of picked up. Uh, and one thing I want to say about this, by the way, it's like all this, all this kind of like arbitrary virtue signaling around like you have to give rookies multiple splits, blah, blah, blah. Load of fucking horseshit. I don't know why this is a thing that exists at all. First of all, he gets experience regardless. It's not like it was wasted time. Like this guy's now seen there are levels to this shit. And that's not like a waste of time. Uh, and secondly, like, again, Fnatic has an academy team. Just chuck him back in the academy team for a bit. Maybe he doesn't Adam, right? Who would have thought that Adam could maybe become the example poster child for you play LEC? Actually, Adam was way better in LEC, by the way, when he first came in than Oscar and him was. But, you know, he didn't fit. There was obviously some other reasons as well. And then he had a really bad split. So he leaves the LEC, goes back into the academy system, and then he comes back and he's better than he's ever been. Like, it is not death for a rookie player to be given one split and then just be taken out of the equation. And this idea that your team must be beholden to your poor level of play again because you're a rookie is fucking bullshit. And I've always hated that narrative of like, this org is a bad org because that guy was a rookie and they got rid of him after one split. There could be many good reasons why they did that or many bad reasons. That is not a zero sums situation. So I've always fucking hated that narrative. The one last name I'll, I'll throw in, which I think is an interesting one, maybe, especially because of also things I've said regarding a different position on the team, but is um, <clears throat> I'd throw in Maorang's name. I think that Maorang has oh, wow. 
been really poor this split i think he has solo lost so many games and the way i put this before it's like when maorang was on song like when he first came came into rogue his playstyle was obviously very extreme this guy's a fucking baller like i love it i love certain things about his playstyle and how what he's willing to do in kind of his all-in approach and that approach would win him or his team or contribute heavily to winning let's say two out of three games right playing like that it's now probably winning one out of three which is a horrendous drop-off percentage-wise, right? Like, this guy is solo losing so many games. And I think that Koi is a team who, even though obviously they lost one of their sort of two pillars in, in the solo lane, still could have had a championship window. If, for example, I know this is an easy thing to say, but if they did have an El Yoya in the jungle, their championship window would still be open, in my opinion. And the problem that you have now is because Segenda's in the top lane, and even though Segenda has a bunch of, you know, qualities, maybe some would argue some qualities that Otto didn't have he is still very volatile and you cannot afford to have a volatile top laner in a meta which does not require you to have a volatile top laner and your fucking jungler's a psychopath like these two <laughs> things can't and not a like a high rolling at the gambling table psychopath currently so yeah I think Maorang especially if you keep Segenda which I have no idea if they will or not but I don't think you can have both on the same team um, I think topside is just doomed at that point in certain games, certain matchups, certain days. And Koi, in my opinion, they are not a championship contender. They went from last summer being that's the highest level of League of Legends we've seen from a Western team. Well, actually, since this uh, the uh, winter's iteration of G2, I guess. But they were a very good Western team uh, and certainly like a top contender. And you thought maybe they could do a little bit of something internationally. So now they are just not remotely a contender in LEC. Not even close, in my opinion. So yeah, I think I think Malrang is a good shout as well. But Ibi is like the most objective, I'd say. All right, what about you then, Dorn? The Who's problem with there? this one is to really speculate on this. Like I don't like I think there's loads of players in the LEC could be benched because they're not that good or they're not doing that well on their team. But I think obviously in theory the angle should be that you've got someone to bring in instead of them. Benham, it's going to be the summer split and you're supposedly gambling that you can make worlds and win the LEC and all that crap. So the problem is Right, yesterday there was a stream Alfari did where he started streaming and so he did answer on stream and say he probably won't play in summer and he thinks he'll try like for next year basically. So if I assume that's true and he doesn't come back, that changes everything because the problem I had was this. Since Alfari the whole time's just been bing chilling and I look at the league and it's like, mate, look how many teams could do with like that fucking top lane upgrade. Like you just said it right there. Dude, imagine Koi tomorrow if Alfari comes in and gets a decent level. Like the joke is they don't even have to fucking play to his lane. He just plays lane himself no matter what. That would be a banger. So I'll take that tomorrow. Fnatic would be another good one. If I'm Fnatic, yeah. I want big names. Like I'm turning it around, so I'll get Alfari. And then the obvious one, the joke is he wouldn't want to go there. He could easily play on her ex, couldn't he? Like if he maybe maybe if he fucks a Peter Dunn or something. I don't think he does. Sadly, Alfari's sort of the guy. He's one. He's he's more like my mate Soaz. I don't think they really believe coaching's a thing. Put that way. So I'll just <laughs> I'll just leave that out there on that level. So I don't know that he would be that attracted by that. I actually get the feeling he's going to do an upset and just wait for another like potential contender, probably for next year, like he says, and then you join that on the basis of your rep and if people don't know even though in the past i would have said when people like forgiven did it it was the wrong move in the modern day actually if you're all fight it's probably right if you mm. don't play now the old players that respected you still respect you but you won't be on like heretics and look shit for a split and then in the off season when they do the big off hostages you can get in the mix of that and get like a top three team so if it's not a top laner like that then i have to say it's actually quite hard so i'm gonna have to go with i think i'll take um 
Even though it's a bit out there, I'll just say I think it's actually Kaiser from Vitality. And the reason why is this. Vitality as a team have shown repeatedly in all games they are willing to spend money to try and get to the next level of win. And in my opinion, that's the last thing to try. If you could replace Kaiser with any other player who's... Could be someone else in the league. Could be someone who's coming. Maybe, uh, look, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but it could have been the Vulcan move from America. Whatever. I would try that. Essentially, if I were them, before you blow the team up, you try one last time because you've got so many pieces that could be mega. Why not? If I if, I just feel like the org might be willing to pull the, the trigger on that one. And obviously, they've got the time during the summer side to figure it out. So I'll take a, an edgy one and say Kaiser from Vitality. That is certainly edgy. Both of those, your picks you've got there, Maorang and, and Kaiser, are two players that are not only... You have histories of being good, but histories of being really Unfortunately, good. I don't agree with Richards in the sense that I don't think that, that Koi actually will bench Malrang. Like, I get the vibe from their coach and stuff. They're, they're just fucking bought in, mate. Like, they're like ride or die with Malrang, as it were. So I, I think he probably should be benched, but I don't think he'll happen personally. Fair enough. Let's move on to our next award then. The most improved player either during the course of the split or from a previous level okay. to now this might honestly be that's interesting i mean it's uh, this may, coming to mind for you for me it's leader again right because i think considering what leader okay. showed us before compared to what we saw from him this split it's kind of tempting to say but i'm also not really convinced it is leader because i don't really think he's improved i think it's just like the meta is suiting him and, and all that all that kind of bollocks right i'm not necessarily sure it's leader himself as a talent that's stepping up and then you you look at the the champion pools for what leader's been playing it's still leader right like he's not suddenly done like a 180 and flipped over and and been suddenly oh look at him now all this you know side note by the way side tangent while we're all moaning about things that annoy us it always aggravated me is the leader fanboys who are like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's an overplayed narrative that he only plays his AD casts and mids like Irelia and Zed and and Yasuo yeah. and Zone, Zone, Yone. He, he, you should see him in the prime league. He's been his most played champions yeah. played Azir and Oriana, and it's like this was a thing like three years ago when I was covering him E Masters as well, and it's like firstly. He rarely played those champions. Secondly, he was always exceptionally lackluster on those champions. And thirdly, when it came down to it, and we saw him play in E Masters, he always picked, he reverted to those champions, to those AD caster. That was his comfort. And, and his comfort to a fault where his team would struggle because of it. And it was just like, why are you out here defending him so hard saying this isn't an issue of his? When it quite clearly is a, an objective fact. It's not a narrative we're pushing as casters or anything like that. It's just what he does. Look at the stats. Just look at it. It's what he's doing. You know, you should be a fan of leader because he does those things. Like he, you know, because he's fucking good when he plays those champions. But you should also be able to recognize that it has its downsides. But this time around uh, in the LEC... He's still leader, but it worked out. Like they managed to make it work, and it and it suited the meta and all that, all that, all that lovely business. So, Astralis was able to benefit from it. So that's why I'm hesitant to say he's the most improved. I think his performance was way better this split, as as far as like what like his results and like his contribution to a team. But individually, I think this is still leader, and leader's exceptionally talented and is a very, 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 very good player. But I just don't know whether he's like stepped up his personal. Uh, level much at all what do you think though who's the most impo uh, improved player uh, for you two rich hit me up 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with that take. I think Leader is the exact same player that he's always has been, and he's always been exceptionally talented. So it's just a case of if you put him in the right spot, good things can happen. If you put mm. him in a bad spot, invariably bad things will happen. I think he's almost like forgiven in in that sense, where it's like, yeah, like you know, you know what you're getting. You know exactly what you're getting, and if Caitlin is open, he's gonna pick it. I don't want to hear about, I saw him playing Siver on stream and he said he was enjoying supportive AD carries. It's like, no, this guy plays lane bullies. <laughs> That's who he is. He plays lane bullies. And yeah, I think it's a similar sort of story with, with uh, Leader. But no, for me, I think it's probably 1-1-3. I think 1-1-3, mm. it's like interesting because when he, when he first came in, people will, this will be lost to history, by the way. So I want this to be sort of said, at least preserved somewhere a little timestamp on the record. When 113 came in, he actually did play quite well at the start. The reason why people won't remember that is Astralis still lost loads of games. But he was actually, his level was okay. Then, I don't know if this because he lost confidence or whatever, his performance just fell into the shitter. And I was like, okay, well, this is what I believe the aggregate performance level of 113 will be from now on. But then, like a fucking Phoenix, back he came and they actually started winning games in, in, uh, in sync with him playing better again. So, yeah, I actually think 113 for me... Um, is probably the most improved. I think he went from not actually terrible, but no results to really fucking bad. You do not deserve to be here to actually competent LEC jungler. So I'll say one, one, three, one, one, three. What about you, Thorin? Who's your most improved? What's interesting is I actually think there's a lot of people you can do this for because obviously, like, you can slightly tweak how the context is of how they improved or and what, as in, like, Rich did there. Did they go from average to good or did they go from bad to average to not? You know, they can do it like a bunch of ways. So I have actually four names I think deserve to be in here. One, one, three was definitely one. I think he's even contended a win. I actually thought there was times in the winter split where he looked like one of the worst junglers ever in the LEC. Yeah. Like, for real, mm -hmm. I remember saying he was the main poster boy for me of like mate people have got to stop like in europe people have got to stop letting carmine corp mm -hmm. fucking rip them off like jack etienne does all the lcs teams where what he does is he gets a player he uses him to the max that player could ever look good then he goes you might want to buy this player then you buy him and it's like you get none of that and then you just get gym. it looked like carmine corp had tricked another fucking set of people and had taken another guy or whatever like in that scenario i can't handle that like he was, he, I, I didn't even think he deserved to be in fucking LEC, but yeah. I'll give him props. He did turn it around. I also, uh, just on the table, I thought, yeah, uh, uh, Shio is another good one. Obviously, he's someone where, like, I actually do think I'd have him in my all pro list. Maybe he might even be like third in all my all pros. So that's crazy. He would have been another one of those players where I'd be like, BDS is an org. Why, why are they recruiting all the French players? It's a whack angle to recruit good players. There's that one. But the other two I'm going to throw in, and I'm going to pick between these two, and I'm actually going to make it a fun ending, is the other two are Hillisang and Nook. And I'm going to pick Nooks. Mm -hmm. I'll, on the hill I'll yeah. just say, in winter, I still thought he was fairly lacklustre. He was a bit coin flip. This split, true, we did go into his meta again. It was all the hook and fucking engaged champions. But I'll tell you what, if you give him those champions every game, if you give him Rakan and fucking Blitzcrank and Thresh and fucking Pike, that is Hillisang's world. And as you saw again, there is not only did he have good games, he's actually Hillisang again. Yeah. You actually now see the fear from other teams of when he's in certain spots in the game. That was gone last split and last year, boy. Like people finally knew you could just essentially get the free kill when he goes in for the move. Now he's back to like he's a danger, and he—it's it, actually—he's actually one of the few factors, by the way, when Mad Lions go to MSI that I don't worry about. He can throw a spanner in the 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 wrench in the works for the international teams. So I'm gonna actually give it to Nook, but here's the reason why. 
I'm not doing it, by the way, because of the whole fucking stupid Twitter drop. Essentially, the reason I'm going to do it is this, is because before this split, I did think he was actually one of the worst yes. mids to ever play in LEC. I thought he, and even worse, he was bad in, a, in, the, in the way I hate. He's not even like a leader where you come in and feed a game. He'll just do nothing. He'll just play out a boring-ass lane with a mage, not get kills, not be up in CS, lose the game, not carry the team fight, and end the game, and you really do just go, are you just in this team because they have to have French players? Like, what is the angle? You were even some phenom from ERLs. Like, you aren't some prodigy that we have to have. Like, you're just some guy with a French flag. Whereas I have to say, even though I do not think personally he is like a true top player, and I do think he has a certain style of champions he plays, and I think he certainly is played around a certain way, and I think all these things are true. I can't deny he had a bunch of carry games this split that were like, maybe he was having games where he'd get like nine or ten yeah. kills. Like, I can't fuck with that. Like, he did have those matches where, like, I thought he was one of the worst LEC mids ever. This split... Whatever you say about his team, individually, he was way better performance. Like I could, I actually think it's almost inconceivable the level he performed that. So fair play. I'll give it to him. Nook. That's fair. Honestly, like considering he went from not even a top 10 mid in LEC or whatever the joke is to in the fucking one game away from being an LEC champion. I'm pretty sure on some past episode, he must have won like player likely to be benched in the past. He must at yeah, some point have won that award. You know, he must have. We've definitely said his name before on yes. this show, and I guarantee it wasn't for, <laughs> for particularly positive reasons. Uh, but he has well-deserved that, honestly. Definitely, yeah, most improved is a, is a very good shout for him. What about on the, uh, on, on the opposite side of things, though? Let's move on to our next award, the Big Dipper player whose performance has dipped the most from the previous split to this one so quite self-explanatory who is uh the the least improved to the to the other other degree and i'm trying to think like you, you guys mentioned maybe some like like some yike honorable mentions here or something like that i mean it does have some crossovers i'll do this one first but yeah thorin please do take i actually away. think for this one i'm gonna go fort on it has to be because I actually thought I didn't blame him at all, by the way, when Vitality lost in winter. I actually thought he was easily the best player. You just up every game. Even this split, if you go in the B01s, you're still doing a great job. I don't know what the fuck happened to this guy in those playoff series. Like, as in, he looked like he lost his identity, his team lost his identity, his drafting coach. Like, I don't get it because the other thing about this guy when he was really good in winter and in the normal games before the pressure hit, is he had like every champion. And so, like, mate, if you have all the meta champions, why are you, like, forcing rumble picks and stuff? You know what I mean? Like, something about that suggests to me everything went to shit. So, even though I get he's still sort of a rookie and he's not... Exp I, I'm, I'm staggered at how bad the performances were. Like, if you'd have sort of made me number the players who were going to fail Vitality, he would never have been near the top of my list. Like, I actually thought he was pretty fucking stable in winter. So, I'm just shocked by the, some of the games he had that... Like, essentially, there's games where he just lost from, like, minute one of the game. He lost from the draft sometimes. It was crazy. And then I also have to hear shit, by the way, that just kills me inside. Like, people are like, no, no, actually, he really likes Rumble. Like, oh, God, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. That's like the opposite <laughs> of the Avengers. Now you're giving me anti-hope. Now I hate the guy if he actually wants to pick that. Great. <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what about you, Rich? Who's, uh, who's your biggest dipper? I mean, yeah, I think there's a few. Obviously, there's a bit of overlap with, like, the leader award in the in a sense in that you can say Caps and and yike both dips fairly heavily i think the mm. yike the yike angle would be a bit disingenuous because really what happened is the meta shift so it's like it is his he just got exposed yeah did his yeah, performance exactly. even dip like if you plaid two teams playing yeah. last split and they both hand shook they were, they were going to play this really random off meta jungle matchup that would be 
you know, applicable to this meta, he'd probably play badly then. So I don't think his performance actually even necessarily dips, or at least I don't think there's like evidence for that or substantial evidence for that. Um, and with Caps, I think there is more of an argument because he did capitulate in playoffs. Like he just was not good in playoffs and Caps does not get the same leeway that I would give to someone like Yike from a, a meta shift as a rookie. Um, I would throw Sirtis's name in there. Uh, again, like last, yeah. last split or before last split, Sirtis was kind of in the just just above like the nuclear in Dale category of like god awful mids where you're like Sirtis is really not very good, but you can maybe get away with it for a little bit. You know, not good. Then he had a really good split, like and had some pop off games and was actually like a really legitimate, very decent LEC mid laner. And he kind of reverted a little bit back to what he was uh, before. Then I think this split, like he was a complete non factor. Um, some people would say like Dos, but as Lauren pointed out, I think on Euroleague, like Dos is more within the yike category. I think where it's Absolutely. like you just got exposed after a bigger sample size and shifting of different champions. And when your boy Exekick isn't just one v nining, you're fucking. I don't want to say useless, but you're just not that great, are you? Like you're not that wonderful. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick on Dos either. Also, same rookie pass card to a certain extent. But Certus has actually been around for a bit longer. But no, I think I'll probably. I'll probably give it to Caps. I do think that Photon was still Photon in the regular season and some of the uh, GSL. Um, so, yeah, I think he was like... For, I, if you go time-wise, which is obviously a bit disingenuous because really you do it game-wise, right? If you went time-wise, Photon was Photon for most of the season. Uh, Caps, I felt, was never really very good this split. Obviously, he had a few Caps games, but not very many. So I'll, I'll say Caps. Okay, it's Cap's most fallen off player for you as well. I think it's pretty fair, honestly. Like with the expectations we have of him too, and how well G two were in the previous split. If he if he ups his game a little bit, I think it's fair to argue that G two probably win the split. But not to be this time round in the spring. We'll see what happens in winter. Let's move on then to our next award. Uh, pretty close to the end here of of our awards. We have so many awards. It's brilliant. All these prizes we're giving out. If only half of them weren't negative, then maybe it would be a very nice, wholesome show. Uh, the Wish You Were Here Award. This is a, this is a wholesome one. Although I'm sure Rich will list off how many shit players there are in the league, and then uh, by default, we'll, 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 we'll know who he wants to replace uh, that we wish was in the league. Uh, but who do you think is a player that isn't playing in the LEC right now that we, we wish was in the LEC that we could see their beautiful place face gracing our screens on the Rift? There was a name floating around earlier, um, Alfari, and I quite liked that name because I do think this is uh, a type of player who could maybe come in and join a roster and maybe not necessarily like swing it all around just from the get-go, but um, might actually be a, a, a good kind of... Well, I was going to say a good like voice because very, he's very experienced and maybe and he has experience with teams that's like bucking up. But maybe that's not actually the kind of player you want around your team if you're trying to avoid that from happening. Uh, so maybe Afari actually, we don't want him here. I'm not sure. Maybe I changed my mind about that one. Either way, guys, who do you wish was here instead? Give me your thoughts. Thorin, who's it going to be? 
I will go with Alfari. I think last time I even did do upset. He obviously did join the league afterwards. Yeah. Same reason why. This is a player who is one of the all-time great LEC players. He's worked, by the way, on almost every team he's been on. He actually, this last Vitality was one of the only teams he's ever looked bad on, quite frankly. I just think he fixes so many problems. And also, his role, top lane of LEC, is just a traditionally quite weak role. So I think anytime you have like a, a real quality player, and especially he's got international experience, I think it, him just coming back to the league would just make the league better. So I'll, I'll take Alfari. Okay. You eloquently put why Alfari should be in the league way more than I did. What about you, Rich? Who's, uh, who do you wish was in the league? See, I have I do have just quickly have to say, I do actually hard disagree with the take that Alfari's like an all-time great player. I think he's a deeply flawed player with a lot of talent in a very niche area. I don't think I can really justify giving him more sort of credit than that. I think it would be really fun to see him. Like, I really want to see him because he's an awesome laner. And now that we do have a few slightly better laners in the league, like your Photons, your Chases, even Adam, um, I think it'd be cool to see how he stacks up there. But I can't give that much credit to someone who every time they have to appear near an objective just forgets what League of Legends is and it's the game. Um, but yeah, no, for, for me, uh, I'm actually going to do a little bit of what you said, uh, which is say, first of all, who I don't want there. But this is not a player <laughs> that's in the league. It's not a player wow. in the league. But I've seen him floating around in Berlin like sucking off every org, looking for a fucking paycheck, and that's Vulcan. I don't want to see this guy in the league at all. Like, I understand that you're fine as an NA... Let, fuck it. You're In the context of North America, especially as a resident, you are a good support. Great, brilliant. But there are a couple of really good supports, actually. Finally, in the ERLs, and support has been an area in Europe where we have not traditionally had deep pools, and I want to see these players get a chance. So the first one bit of a conflict here obviously because I, I represent them but camellias who i think from ldlc the lfl champion so i think everyone will agree is a very very good support very smart support and the other one is zolis from gamers origin who was the mvp of the lfl and this guy is really fucking good like both these players are really good and better than a whole bunch of supports that are in uh the lec currently and as i said i would like to see i think what was good this split as thorin suggested is like the whole level of the top lane has kind of been elevated so like seeing where you place there and who the different gatekeepers are at this point is fun but i want to see that happen now for support and i think someone like zolis for example could come into the league and already be like a top three support easily i think camellius could be in terms of like value he's just a bit like less flashy in that sense but like really good communicator shot caller so yeah, I, I would like to see both of those guys. I can't believe Camellius is 22. I don't know if there's another player who has a has a name similar to his or not, but I swear... No, he's been around said... for ages and everyone thinks yeah. he's really old. But no, Yeah, literally. A... I was like, Camellius, isn't he like 30? <laughs> like, I'm quick looking him up and he's 22 years old. Bloody hell, yeah. I actually, I'm going to change it then. I'm going to say I do want to see Vulcan in the league because I think that is going to... It's historic. We've never had a player who's made his made, made you know his bread has been buttered on in North America, come over to Europe. Uh, we've seen it the opposite, like countless amounts of times where where NA has taken a lot of EU players, but never never in the opposite direction. Uh, I I think there was, I, I believe there was a player who played in like the UK league or something who was an ex LCS top or maybe he was like an academy top. I think maybe he came over to study or something like that. And I got a feeling that there, there are the odd case, like for example, Cordy Sun plays yeah. in the RLs, for example. But it's just, you're right, yeah. for LEC level, it's never happened. There's never been like right. an NA player. Right, right, right. Exactly. It's, it would be historic, it's, yeah. It's it's a unicorn event, essentially. Yes. And, and I just want to, I'd love to see what happened because 
you know, I think you're being harsh to Vulcan. Vulcan in the past, let's say, five years or whatever, has been, in my opinion, the best overall LCS support. I, well, call JJ. Top three, if not top two. I, I think he's been really fucking good. As far as, as far as North American residents, I should say, then I think he's been the best North American resident performing support but do you actually think the, he's yeah. been really good or do you think he's been like he had times where i think he's been really good it's hard to say because he's playing in lcs like it's like you know obviously the competition is is different but even when we see the teams that he plays on make it to like uh make it to the international stage it's not like they're like mega mega outclassed by 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 eu teams honestly those days are kind of I don't see those days are over because most recently we kind of did have a pretty good track record against against NA. But the days where NA is just a complete and utter joke and you go into international events and you know for sure the NA team is going to be a free win. I don't think we live in those times anymore. I think like at least recently um, you, you've had competitive NA teams come through where maybe you know they're not going to win the event, but they might be able to throw in like some kind of upset or something like that. Um, and Vulcan has, has done it on so many different teams. Like he's not he's not been like a one trick pony who's just like been surrounded by great talent his 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 entire career. Like he's he's done it on multiple different organizations where he has, in my opinion, looked really good. So I just I'm not gonna I I won't say he'll come into the league and shit stomp everyone and, and prove that you know he's overrated or anything like that. He may well come in and be like a bottom tier support wouldn't surprise me if that happened as well but i would just want to see it i just want to see it happen like i just i i love to see like uh, yeah one of the one, one of the better na players come over to eu not just like a a shit tier na player who comes over fails yeah. and everyone's like yeah well na players suck obviously that's why he's no he's shit he couldn't even make it in na you know volcom is is a good player so i i'd love to see how he stacks up let's move on then uh penultimate award for the day is uh uh, MVP, we're getting to the more kind of like well-rounded, big picture awards now. Um, the MVP, who was, in your opinion, the best player uh, for for their team in in the spring split, who do you think brought home the bacon? Uh, and it was the, those thick slabs of bacon, not just those really thin, shitty ones that are like 90% water. It was proper quality pine pig butt. Who, who was it? I want to know. Uh, Rich, who's your MVP of the split? Uh, I think it's Crowny. I think fucking hell. <laughs> I can't. That me. I can't think of. Uh... I would give a shout out to Yankos. The problem with Yankos though is like obviously he played an incredibly small percentage of the games compared to everyone else. Only played nine games. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. you can't really. <laughs> True. And also, you can also make the argument, so, well, if you didn't actually contribute to even dragging them up from fucking above ninth, then how can you? So I'll chat with him because I think in terms of value to their team, if you take that guy out, fuck me, we're looking at like a Div 2 ERL team, right? Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, I think Crowny. I think consistent carry performances in the most stacked position in Europe over the last couple of years. Um, really good throughout, really good regular season, really good GSL, really good in playoffs. Uh, even, you know, even though I think BDS fell apart in certain respects in the final, he had a couple of games where he was excellent still in the final. Um, 
And I can't think of anyone else who's matched that level of play, really. Um, I know some people are trying to build up the sort of Kazi versus Crowny, like that they both had like completely equal splits. I just don't disagree with that at all. I think there were far more black mark games from Kazi. By the way, I think Kazi had an amazing split and was probably the second best AD carry, but I think there was a big gulf between him and Crowny. Um, so yeah, it's it, this was not a split for mids, I would say. I don't think there were really any sort of super standout mid lane players. Obviously, the storyline of Nook is an awesome one, but you wouldn't be like, oh my god, this guy's playing like Prime Humanoid or Caps or something. Um, and I guess El Yoya, I could throw his name in there as well. I think uh, El Yoya was excellent. But I think there are a lot more players... Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll say I'll stick I'll say Crowny. I'll say Crowny. Okay, Crowny for you. What about you, Thorne? Who's your for me? Team? It's a slam dunk. I easily take Crown shot for this one, Crowny. The reason why is this: I actually think I said it earlier. I don't think he even played bad in the final. Or did anything wrong? I think it's one of those ones where if he played identically to that and had either a different team or was in any other final, he just wins. And he's the MVP when he wins. Like, he just gets everything. That's why it's so sad, because in some ways, if he'd have won, it would have been the dream of, like, people who, like me, are, like, forgiven fans from years ago. Like, this really would have been, he would have dragged the worst set of talent ever, at least experienced, to a fucking LEC title. And in an era, by the way, where Caps and Perks are supposed to have, like, super teams. Like, mm. that that's just, that would have been an unbelievable accomplishment. So I think it's ground shot. He was, he was amazing in every portion of the tournament even in the finals like i say he did nothing wrong it was other teammates who collapsed and let the game down and quite frankly that was always going to be the the sad thing if you're in adc is if the rest of your team collapses and is behind it's not mid lane you're not just going to carry the whole game like you have to charge up people have, i've always said this the team has to help the adc get into a position where he then carries the game yeah. like it's why uh, half the times people critique upset it's like bro go and look at like the pro view and you'd see like he never could have even got in the game like it's essentially like it, it, he never got a chance the analogy in counter-strike would be it's like if they just go to the other bomb site every single time because they know you're on ct side on that site like you're not mm. going to get you're not going to win the game like they're making it impossible for you to win so i've got to take crowley i think it's an easy one for me what a great split the, the only oh. the only tiny tiny thing i'd add to to what thorin said because obviously i do think obviously certain players didn't perform in certain games in the final that they did in previous or whatever i do think this was a uh collaborative collapse from players and staff i thought the drafting went to shit like part way through that series to be honest i didn't actually analyze maybe it was bad in the first two games as well i wasn't really paying attention i guess because they were winning and i was kind of just watching it in real time and i haven't gone back and watched those games but the drafting was really suspect late on like some of the pit like the syndra pick in, in game five i think it was like they did this weird thing where they had one of the best things about bds is they had like almost this Korean understanding of the meta, which they could still tap into comfort. And I don't know if that was pure luck because it just happened to suit the players or if it was something that was worked out. But then they just reverted into like uh, comfort that wasn't viable. And I, I really, I think that uh, historically people um, undervalue comfort. I think there are things where you can just put great players on legendary picks or whatever and that is actually just the best thing to do even if it's not quote unquote meta but they were doing things that were just not like they were giving mad everything mad wanted and they weren't getting anything of power back other than some like power things that were uh, some comfort things sorry that were never going to be banned anyway because they're just not good picks and i think the coaching staff has to hold like a lot of responsibility for that final as well i don't think they adapted well obviously deserve amazing credit for the split as a whole but even coaches can choke i'll say
<laughs> Problem when coaches choke is well, co- coaches in general, the downside is you don't know when they're doing a good job, but the upside is you don't know when they're doing a bad oh, job. And yeah, by the way, the problem is obviously it can be the players panicking in a game five, like, no, I just want to play this German, they'll give me syndrome yeah. mid, I just want to play syndrome mid. But then I still say that's coach choking because if you're a really strong authoritative figure and it's your decision to be made, you have to be able to stand up on stage and like overrule them. Like that's part of your job. So I don't really care who's, whose call it was at that point. Fair enough. Um, MVP Crowney. Wow. Brilliant. Uh, I wonder if, if, well, yeah, I'm, I wonder if that's like a popular opinion or not. It just well, seems I think crazy it will be. I feel like yeah, it will be, especially because yeah. Mad Lions won and was like bad at the beginning of this, but I feel like yeah. it's a slam dunk. He's going to win. It's, it's yeah. What, and it also works enough? for the narrative, like the feel good story. Everyone's yeah, all yeah, crying. Yeah. That. I think everything's yeah. aligned actually. And so it's why I hope even though he didn't win the title, he just gets this at least, you know? Yeah. Good for Crowley. So I guess that, that, that answers one fifth of the next question. And the final question I'm going to ask you guys, uh, our last award is your, uh, your all pro team. I assume Crowley should get the, uh, the ADC, although I'm sure there, there is a world where your MVP isn't in the first, the first all. all we're not all LCS sports, so don't worry. <laughs> we're, we're, it's all good. We know it works. Okay, cool. So Crowley's going to be our, going to be our ADC. Who's going to fill in the other spots then? Top, jungle, mid and support all up for grabs here. Thorin, what is your super team of of uh, EU players? Here's what's wild is I actually think this is the hardest yeah. all pro ever in the history of the LEC. And the reason why is because think about it. One, BDS just isn't going to have many candidates because as I just pointed out, a lot of it's crowdy, the coaching staff, the meta stuff. And then secondly, Mad Lions was actually pretty bad until they got to the lower bracket of the groups and then they made this run. So the problem is, I, as you can imagine, I've got a lot of Mad Lions players here, which sounds whack because if you watch them in the BO1s, a lot of them actually were fucking bad. But the problem is, at the end of the day, the most important games are those playoff series. They've got a lot of sample size there. And so, quite frankly, you're going to see most of our players are Mad Lions players. So I'll just go down the map. Top lane, I have picked Chasey. And I have to say, this might be the most questionable one on my list. But it's because if you look at it, my God, this is why I want Alfari back. My God is top lane in a fucking weird spot in the LEC right now. Like, we're actually at a position where, like, you can't even just go to the top teams and go, well, it must easily be there. It's like, no, it's mad debatable. So I've gone with Chasey, but, but that's because like how in good faith can I take Photon after the way those last player matches went how can I take Broken Blade after he fucked so I just I'll just take Chase he just feels like I have to sort of just give it to him because of the playoff series and the runs and he did beat out a lot of the top teams then for Jungle and other Mad Lions I'm going with El Yoya for this one that's also because let's be real like like Rich says I can't do Yankos after nine games like I'll say he's Elo held but he can't be the MVP of, the, of Jungle essentially and then also for this role Yike Bo had their dodgy moments so yeah I have to just go with El Yoya for this one. I think it makes sense. Also, I just think he did a lot of heavy lifting at times. Mid lane, this is another nightmare one because of where the teams are. Not like what's fucked is I'm going to be everything I hate and I'm just going to default to probably caps, right? Because here's the problem if it's not caps, then I have to go in my pure bias bag. In fact, you know what? Fuck it. I retract that. Thorin's back. The best mid was Larson. There you go. Stick it in your <laughs> pipe, smoke it, and at the end, go back and watch the games and understand I am right. I'd say fuck it, yeah. I actually think, because the problem is, Caps didn't actually have enough carries, but that's the problem. Larson had the odd bad game. By the way, flaw in his game, phenomenal. This split proves it, by the way, because Koi, this split shouldn't have been anywhere close to the top. Even in the games they lose, he's still good. And by the way, in the games they win, he's, he's just fucking, he is actually beating Caps, etc. So I think Larson can have it for mid. I think I'd probably pick the best angle for that. Crowley ADC, like we said, that one's legit. And then 
sadly, for support. I actually have to pick Hillisag, even though I know he had dodgy time. Because like I said before, I do think the meta was perfect for him. I think what he did in the playoff series was good enough. I also think he actually, as much as like I will give props to Kazi for a better split, part of his was also the meta hit him right in the fucking face. And by the way, there's another thing about the drafting. Like, dude, you would think that BDS drafted to make Kazi the MVP of the final. Like, it was so wild. So to me, I think Hillisang's also part of what allows the Kazi factor to work. So I'm actually going to have three mad lines, players. I've got JCL, Yoya. Larson, Crowdy, and Hillisang. That's my all pro. Okay. What about your all pro, Rich? How does that uh, how does that change? Uh it doesn't. That is the exact team exact I have. Exact same team. Oh, okay. The, the only thing I thought about changing was uh by the way, people mega underrate Larson's season. And they do got the match. It's mad, just, isn't it? Just because there was so much uh volatility going on on like the top side of the map, but he was he was still Larson and he's basically the only good. player who was never bad on their yes. team, isn't he? Was, yeah. He just good the whole time. Yeah, he know? was good. And that's <laughs> this the thing is like while I say that Koi is not like a contender at the moment currently, the reason why they're still a decent team, despite bot lane having gone to shit, despite top lane having not having gone shit but not being exactly what the team needs and jungle being a complete mess they're still relatively decent just because larson's larson so yeah he, he was actually like the a... way i almost did the fucking heel turn to become a baby face you know what guys i'm like you caps it's just those <laughs> i was like no i like reassert control like, no <laughs> no it's larson it is it's our time finally we will reveal ourselves to the jedi like but... yeah i did the, I, I reasserted halfway through it's all good boys. that is a struggle but I think, unironically, that he was the best mid. Like, I actually don't think, I think anyone was better. Then, yeah. And for me, I, I mean, I wouldn't have Caps near the conversation, but I would, I, Nook would be the only other one where I would, like, think about leaning towards. But again, I don't think mid was, like, strong this split at all. This was not, like, a, a split for mid laners. So, Larson, the only one I was actually really thinking about was top, and that was maybe giving it to Adam over Chasey. But I especially think, like, how their matchup went. <laughs> I, 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 I also think that, again, like Photon, sure, he had like a massive dip, but I still have to give props to, like, I don't care if like Mike Tyson lost to Buster Douglas. Like, if you beat Mike Tyson in the next fight, you still get to have the credit of beating Mike Tyson okay. to a certain extent, right? So Chasey did smash Photon, and I think that is worthy of praise in itself and also he just had a good season overall so and was a fucking champion and all the rest of it so yeah while i'm not one for just anointing people who won uh the team title with individual awards i do think he probably merits that al yoya for me is like a very easy one i think uh because yankos was the only other contender and he barely played uh and then hilly yeah again support just not a strong split hard supports, to pick really. For, yeah, I think Hillisang was just the best. I mean, you could have met... Way, you could have also done Mickey, but the problem is, I also think this is how recency bias works. Like, there's some games, Mickey had, like, the fucking Jarvan game and that yeah, high game. Yeah. There were some games that were a bit criminal, you know. Yeah, the they're just, still in my mind, I can't stop thinking you could about all, Yeah, you could almost <laughs> solo have lost it just on the J4 game. Like, that was... Yeah. That was, was pretty wild. ...to be incarcerated. Uh, so yeah, I, I think Hillisang wins by default, um, which maybe it's a little bit harsh. I mean, he was good. He was good, it, but he wasn't like amazing. He wasn't like Mickey last split. Let's put it that way, but he was good. So yeah, that's my identical all pro teams. I, I would go for, I, I think bot lane in, um, Crowny and I'd say Hillisang for me is, is fairly comfortable. Oh, you're in the jungle as well. Solar Lane is a complete crapshoot, and I don't even know where to begin. So I'm going to let you guys take that one and just agree and say yes. That's also right. my my choice. I honestly, honestly, Solos was just like nothing really stood out. I would say, and I think the consistency as well wasn't wasn't really there. So 
By the way, even though we've just done all this all pro and all these awards, right? Look, he doesn't get to win an award in any context. But all I'm going to say is this. Congrats to three-time LEC champion, Kazi. I don't know how you're getting away with it or what you're doing or what power of NLP slash mesmerism you're on. But fucking hell, mate. Like, you just keep getting away with it. Like, I know I want to be like Jesse out of Breaking Bad. I don't know. You can't keep getting away with it, but you have. So, fair play. You win against me and everyone else. In a way, you win your own award by winning the By the way, I would say this one was the most deserved one. Because even though, in my opinion, oh, Brownie, was. Yeah, Brownie was the better AD carry, like, especially in the finals or whatever, Kazi was legit in, like, a bunch of these series. So, you know, but in my books, I think now he's got one. <laughs> he's got one you can't do that that's illegal that's naughty Kazi three times lec champion uh there's there's your headline uh take take put that in your pipe and smoke that one though and i'm sure that's gonna get you whatever's in that pipe is gonna send you into that into the outer galaxies DMT uh, awesome, isn't it? I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's all about awards finish though is there anything else you guys want to add to our award show before we round and cap things off i think uh we're all good to go uh, another split down, another very predictable result of uh, BDS making the finals of being one game away from uh, from taking it all. And, of course, another Kazi lifting. I would just throat. add right at the end, by the way, I couldn't be less underwhelmed for, oh, sorry, more underwhelmed for what is going to be the European performances at MSI. We've got a G2 mm. team who looked fucking mega after winter and now kind of look out of sorts. And we've got Mad who... While impressive, the reverse sweep and their sort of lower bracket run was or whatever, like, does anyone actually believe in this team? Like, I think that is kind of sad that if, like, BDS had held it together and put in, let's say, like, a really strong game three and then, like, swept it 3-0, that would be, like, a really cool team to see, like, out of curiosity how to do it, how they would do internationally. Now I'm kind of just like... I mean, I'm watching MSI for, to watch MSI and the best teams in the world, but I don't think yeah. any of them are coming from Europe. Let's put it that way. Not a lot of uh, confidence for EU going into MSI. Thank you, everyone, for watching our episode today. We'll see you all again soon. Enjoy MSI. Catch you later.